interrupting all programs. Final hour of the Jeff Cameron Show, at least for this week. We're calling this a uh, Libations Thursday edition of the program. Going to enjoy the holiday weekend with the family, 4th of July. Sit back and, uh, yeah, listen. Take some time to think a little bit about, not the country per se, but rather how close we are to football. (laughs) Which is good for the overall mental health of the country. Let's just be honest. We're online at ESPNTallahassee.com. That's where you go to listen live via the streaming free. Always don't miss anything. But if you do, go back and caught up. Post all three hours. Uh, Apple Podcast. Wherever you get podcasts. Share, like, love, hug. Email the show if you like. JCS at 979 On Twitter, it's at jcameronshow. And uh, hello, YouTubers. Tomorrow is the date that I get my windshield replaced after the wayward, misclubbed shot at Killarney Country Club took out my windshield. But I've got to drive. You know, the problem with having a fancy Craft Infinity QX80 is they don't just roll over to your house to replace the windshield when you got a fancy QX80. They said, oh, no, there are too many other things that are involved in this in terms of uh, cameras and all this stuff. So you got to bring it to us. So I got to drive to freaking Midway. This is the first I'm hearing about this. I didn't tell you about this? No. Somebody misclubbed. Oh, did they misclub? That or they just scold the hell out of it. Uh, I went on a Sunday evening, this past Sunday, after that seven-hole playoff, inspired as I was, to go play some golf at Corn, beautiful Corn Country Club. And I knew that uh, given it had rained earlier, and that it was like 6.30 at night, that the club would be relatively, uh, we'd be winding down. Most people would be getting set up for their week and kind of shutting things down. And I went, oh, this is perfect. I'm going to go play nine holes. There'll be nobody out here. It's awesome. So I get out there. I was right. There's like three cars in the parking lot. Perfect. Walk into the clubhouse. Now, they they know me there, Matthew, of course. So I walk in. They're like, Mr. Cameron. And I'm like, yes. They said, uh, what can we do for you? I said, you could toss me a key to a cart. And they said, all right. And they did. So I got that cart, went over to the QX80, popped the top, threw the clubs in, grabbed my speaker, Put it on the side. I was like, we are set. I've got a nice cold beer. I've got my speaker. i got my clubs. i got nine holes in the early evening, and i got no cares in the world. Boom. Play the nine holes. No problems. I actually played pretty well. So coming back, starting to get dark, like time to get home. Time to get home. Let's just chill out and shut it down. Say goodnight to the cart guy. Give him a tip. Kind of put my clubs in the bag. I mean, uh, back in the car. Sit down in the driver's seat. Uh, turn on said car, getting ready to back up, look up. What the hell? Shattered all the way down, spider web all the way across the front windshield. And right there in the center of the windshield is the shape of a golf ball, and I know exactly what happened. But here's the thing. I was in the middle of the parking lot and facing the back nine's conclusion. Where this was, you would have to hit a ball some 40 yards wayward of the green, beyond the green. You would have to, you would have had to need to, you know, maybe you needed to hit, I don't know how far the guy was off the tee, 
but let's just say 250 yards. So you would have needed maybe an a seven iron, and he must have hit a four. I mean, I don't to miss club this bad to get the ball to where it was. It's either that. Or he was trying to chip or something, and he scolded it, and boom! We've all, I mean, listen, I've hit wayward shots. It happens. It's tough. Golf's hard. But, man, leave a note. Come on, brother, leave a note. Yeah, I was going to say, just. No note, nothing. No, hey, sorry about that, bro. <laughs> Not a, I, here's, the, here's what I didn't understand. It's free in the state of Florida. They replace your windshield for free in the state of Florida. You're not going to be on the hook for anything. At least go tell the clubhouse. Like, if you don't want to leave me a note, whatever, you know, go up there and say to the pro, hey, look, sorry, I hit this dude's car. It's clearly shattered his windshield. I feel terrible about it. I don't know what to do, but, you know, I don't want the guy to think I just ran off. I don't know. Whatever. But to tell it wouldn't have changed anything. And It'll be all right. But now I got to go drive out to freaking Midway. Like, who the hell? Get this thing done. It's not ideal. I'll tell you what, it's not ideal. And I watched it last night, and it was beautiful. Obviously, the Bolts, they win 3-1, to one, got thoroughly outplayed for about a good two periods and still won because they have the vastly superior goalie, and uh, that's a beautiful thing. So I would like to believe Montreal is in, uh, well, a world of hurt because they threw everything they had at the light and still lost by two goals, so suck it. There's that. Now, having said that, I also locked in because I actually thought we'd get a great effort from the Clippers last night and see ourselves being uh, – move towards game seven, which is what I wanted. I love game seven, especially when I don't have a, uh, you know, a, a dog in the fight. So I'm just, I'm like, all right, let's go. Here we go. And of course we didn't get that. We got one of the great all time performances from Chris Paul, who now kind of cements himself as being this other thing, even if he already was this other thing, but was not thought that way because he couldn't break through with OKC, couldn't break through with the Clippers, couldn't break through, you know, you go on down the list of teams that he's been with. Here's the deal. I don't want to do the thing where we forget about all of the habitual line stepping that he's done in his career because that guy will punch you in the testicles. He will slap your boys. He has done it in college and the pros. Not cool, man, and we don't forget. As men, you don't get a pass. You slap some testicles, that stays with us. You can elbow a jaw, fine. Men being men, competition, things happen. You can sucker punch a dude in the right circumstance, and we may forgive that too. Slapping testicles. Mm-mm. No, no. Two things we're not forgetting as men. Slapping ball uh, testicles. <laughs> okay? And spitting. Mm-mm. Can't spit in a man's face. I mean, you can, but you reserve that for real hatred. Like, Saddam Hussein or something. Like, you get, like you can spit in his face. I don't know who you, you know, convicted serial murderers, maybe. Okay, I'll let you spit in their face. But but other dude, no. Spitting in the face and or testicle slapping can't happen. So, while I'm happy for Chris Paul because he's been a plus, plus, plus player for a very long time, and I think, you know, kind of got bogged down. We got, it's a very modern thing that happens anymore with the way that people assess players. This did not exist in the 80s. I think Jordan ruined it for everybody. It's not his fault. He was just that good. But when, when, when Jordan became this guy who almost single-handedly willed Chicago to become this whole other entity in the world of basketball and win six titles, the thought was, well, if you're really special, if you're all-time great, then you can just do that. But that's not true. 
there are Hall of Fame players, incredible all-time great players, who just couldn't do that. They didn't have enough help, or they just weren't as good as Michael Jordan. There's no sin in not being as good as one of the two or three greatest players to ever live. Like, Charles Barkley is a bona fide Hall of Famer, never won a title. Does he suck because he didn't win a title? Is he a choker? No. But somewhere along the way, that's what happened to guys. Like, Brady's ruined it for everybody in the NFL, especially quarterbacks. Like, if you're a great quarterback and you don't have a title, people don't even talk about you. Like, you deserve to be in a discussion of the Hall of Fame, which is nonsense. What if you went to an all-time terrible franchise and still got them to the playoffs or found ways to have winning records or decent seasons, even though you were surrounded by garbage, horribly run organization, horribly – you can't do that. But we do do that. We do do that to people now. And Chris Paul kind of got stuck in that, where people said, oh, you know, Chris Paul, he just – he could never get beyond – early rounds in the playoffs. He's a man. No, Chris Paul has been really good for a long time. So I'm partly really happy for Chris Paul and Phoenix. Cool story. I'm also mindful that he's a habitual line stepper. So I temper that enthusiasm and say, okay, well, at least he'll get his just due as a player. He's still a testicle slapper. He's also a major flopper. He's a drama queen. And the NBA, and I'm not going to single him out on this, but this needs to be said, and they better get a handle on this. we got to stop going to replay every five seconds, first of all. Stop it. I'm not saying I want to go back to the bad boys era of basketball where you could clothesline people, you could punch somebody in the throat and not get kicked out. I'm not saying that. I am saying, man, these are grown-ass men, world-class athletes, You bump a guy, you accidentally elbow a guy. We don't need to look at this thing 17 times over and decide to, you know, well, that's a a 3.4 flagrant. That's a two shots to the ball, and you're suspended for a game. Stop that. Stop doing that. It's a foul or it's not a foul. It's a tech or it's not a tech. That's the end of it. And we cannot continue, even after replay, to reward people who are clearly trying to elicit a call based on something that doesn't exist. And Chris Paul did that last night. That Boogie Cousins thing? Get the hell out of here with that. No, man, no. And then he gets up laughing. Nope, no, you get teed up at that point. I'm teeing your ass up for that drama. They've got to get a handle on this. Stop doing this. Now, the stuff Beverly did at the end is cowardly. He looks like a buffoon. That's ridiculous, pushing somebody from behind. You look like an idiot. Uh, But beyond all that, we have way too many guys in the league, and LeBron's one of them. I love LeBron. Chris Paul's maybe the worst at it. They're like actors. That's what they're actors. And it's all started with all the foot kick-out nonsense. Remember when all that started going down and guys – we're able to draw all those fouls with these unnatural motions on follow-throughs of shots, kicking out their legs, and then that got rewarded, and I have no time for that. Can we play the game? Can we not do this? Can we be men? Play the game, man. Play the game. Stop being an actor. Flying all over the place, trying to get calls every two seconds. No ref should reward that. I would tee up every one of those guys. It's like soccer players that take a dive. No, man. No. No. Don't turn the game into that. 
I don't like having to watch a game of that magnitude and watch a performance of that magnitude only to turn around and go, yeah, but you did all this other stuff that makes me hate you. Chef Cameron Show 97.9 ESPN Radio. It's Bobby Bonilla Day, which has become a holiday in and of itself, and plenty of great articles exist on Bobby Bonilla Day about the existence of Bobby Bonilla Day. We had fun with this a long time ago. I mean, this dates back so long ago. Uh, and it, it, it was 1270 days. I might have been even morning. But the calendar has turned to July 1st, writes Dan Mullen. And no, not the idiot that coaches Florida, but rather the columnist for ESPN. And that means one thing. It's time for Mets fans everywhere to wish each other a happy Bobby Bonilla Day. 58-year-old Bobby Bonilla collects a check today. Oh, and what a check. $1 million. $193,000. It's actually $1,193,248.20. Don't forget the 20 cents, bitches. <laughs> From the New York Mets. As he will. Every July 1st, all the way to 2035. I mean, I got a question whether I'll be here for the final Bobby Bonilla day. Good Lord. What a sad day that'll be in 2035. Because of baseball salary structure, Benia's annual payday is often more than some of the game's current young stars and what they'll make this year. In the season, this season, that includes the salary of a leading American League MVP candidate and some 2021 All-Stars. The Mets are not alone in the practice of handing out deferred payments to star players long after they last suited up for the team former MVPs and Cy Young Award winners among the notable names, still collecting annual paychecks from their previous employers. Here's what you need to know about Benia's payday, deferred money in Major League Baseball, and the current players making less for the 2021 season than Bobby Bonilla today. <laughs> That'll hurt your feelings. I just watched, let me, before I go on, I watched this. I'm always intrigued by this. The group of studio musicians out in Los Angeles that play on all these mega albums, and, and there was a group in the 40s and 50s that made up the core uh, bands in studios that were responsible for mega hits. Entire documentary about this. It's really interesting. Trumpeters, piano players, bassists, backup singers, guitarists, you name it. In fact... Um, you know, famously, uh, 
when you when you think of like backup singers that uh, made a living, like you think of Gimme Shelter, you think of the Stones, you think of that. You know, I mean, those voices are really really critical to the success of of those songs. Um, but but they are used on a ton of albums. Well, there was another one recently done about this store, this core group of studio musicians, and really quick. Um, I was fascinated by how many bands, quote-unquote, there are that aren't bands at all. So I'll give you an example. So you know, everybody knows Nine Inch Nails and Trent Reznor, right? And everybody knew Trent Reznor was Nine Inch Nails. I mean, he creates largely that music on his computer. He plays three or four different instruments. He's the lyricist, all of that, right? Well, what he did when he went on tour, you have to have people who play the instruments. So he, he got this core group of guys to come in, and this one guy, the guitarist... Um, said it sucked. You go on tour, you make like next to nothing. And some of these guys literally making like 500 bucks to go on these. I mean, they're making no money, but you're this close to this glamorous lifestyle. You're seeing it every night, but this guy takes home everything. He gets the credit for the album because he played all the instruments and created it all. So he's going to make all the money for the album. You don't get anything. He's going to take the major uh, money from the gate because he's the star. So he gets like a certain percentage and you get less than 1%, you get nothing. And then meet and greets and things like that, well, he's the reason the meet and greets exists. If he wants to, he can keep all that too. So it's a brutal existence for a lot of these guys. So that guy, the guitarist who was with Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails, got fed up and said, screw this, I've got this song, and I'm not going to give it to Trent Reznor. And the song is Hey Man, Nice Shot by a band called Filter, who you now know, right? Yeah, that's not a band at all. That's the disgruntled, angry guitarist from Nine Inch Nails who said, screw you, Trent Reznor. I got a song, and I'm going to keep it, and I'll make up a band, and I'll call it Filter, and I'll grab a bunch of slappies like you did, and I'll take them on tour, and I'll be Filter, and I'll sing this song everywhere, and it'll be huge. Well, what's wrong? He was huge, and they made a lot of money, but guess what? He didn't learn anything from the mistreatment from Trent Reznor. He was even worse. He mistreated the whole band. That guy's in this other documentary going, no, that dude's an ass. He wouldn't give us anything. He goes, I said, screw this. I became the voiceover guy. Now he's the bassist from Filter. He's the voiceover guy for Carl's Jr. When you hear the Carl's Jr. ads, it's the former bassist of Filter who's really not a bassist in Filter at all, but a studio musician who said, this sucks, and then he's a voiceover guy incredible but the money made from the, some of these guys for having two or three hits their checks in the mail for life it's unreal unreal eventually this documentary got into uh the ghostbusters song and how much money uh is made annually um off that song and and it's it's unbelievable how it happened. It, it was again, um, Ray Parker Jr. sings the song Ghostbusters. He was a studio musician. He had worked as a backup and a writer for all these different guys, but he never he never got credit. Oftentimes, he wouldn't even be on an album. Like the album would come out, and he wrote half the lyrics or he wrote the melody, and they wouldn't even credit him. So. He's pissed off about it. His mother's like, well, you say you're a musician and you're in a band, but I never see your name on the... He's like, this is ridiculous. They needed a song for the movie Ghostbusters. It was going to be a mega hit. They knew it was going to be a mega mega hit. Ivan Reichman, the director, says, we got to have a song. We need a song, but here's the rule. 
The song has to have the song ghost has to have the words Ghostbusters in it. Can you write a song with the Ghostbusters in it? So the call goes out to all these writers in Los Angeles, any of these studio people, and like, hey, we need a song, we need a song. Ray Parker Jr. had a melody in his mind, but he couldn't think, how do I work in Ghostbusters into this thing? Like, how do I make it like prominent? And then he hears it in his head. He quickly puts it together. He thinks, I'm never going to hear this song. It's never going to matter. Three days later, he gets a call. Reichman loves it. They're going to use it. They're going to put it on billboards. It's going to be everywhere. It's a catchy tune. It's going to work. It's made him hundreds of millions of dollars. He never has to work again. One time, one song, life-changing. Residual checks. Sits around every day. He gets asked, do you ever get tired of hearing the song Ghostbusters? He said, oh, no, no, never, never. In fact, when I hear it, I smile ear to ear, thinking about the six houses that I own and my flight to Paris next week. I don't hate it at all. In fact, I wish more people would play it more often. <laughs> Can you imagine how great that is? I only get upset when it's not on repeat. Yeah, yeah, you ought to be playing that thing back to back to back. It's incredible. In 2000, the Mets agreed to buy out the remaining $5.9 million on Bobby Bonilla's contract. However, instead of paying Bonilla the $5.9 million at the time, the Mets agreed to make annual payments of nearly $1.2 million for 25 years, starting July 1st, 2011, including a negotiated 8% interest. Okay, so this is always, what? Wait, wait, wait. You only owed him 5.9. Why are you going to give him 1.2 for 25 years? At the time, Mets ownership was invested in a Bertie Madoff account that promised double-digit returns. You think Bobby Bonilla loves Bernie Madoff? The Mets were poised to make a significant profit if the Madoff account delivered. Of course, it didn't. didn't work out. This year, under new owner Steve Cohen, who mentioned the possibility of celebrating Bonilla at City Field annually soon after taking over the team in November, the Mets seemed ready to embrace Bonilla's day, as the team's tweet on Wednesday night shows. You know what tomorrow is? We have a big announcement. How rare is the arrangement? I'm learning with you guys. Benio last played for the Mets in 1999, last played in the majors for the Cardinals in 01, but he'll be paid through 2035 when he'll be 72 years old. Some of the other notably deferred money contracts courtesy of ESPN Stats and Info. Bobby, B- Bobby Benio, again, a second deferred contract planned with the Mets and Orioles pays him $500,000 a year for 25 years. Those payments began in 2004. Bobby Bonilla is the king of his best agent of all time. Listen, we don't actually want the five million right now. Tell you what, you just give us a million every year for seemingly in perpetuity. What are we doing? Brett Saberhagen. <laughs> I can still just remember uh, I was I was listening to Harry Carey and Steve Stone of the Chicago Cubs back when Stone was with the Cubbies, and. Saberhagen was due to pitch at that time against the Cubs. And Harry Carey said, and tonight on the hill, it's Brett Saberhagen. (laughs) And I, I remember I was on my couch when he said it. I was like, that's awesome. Steve Stone didn't even correct him. Just like, that's right, Harry. Brett Saberhagen on the hill tonight. 
slobber hugging with a two seven nine. <laughs> he just said he plowed through the rest of the broadcast calling him Fred Sobberhagen. What the hell, Harry Carey? We miss you. Legitimate sounds can be found on the internet of Harry Carey popping beers while doing the game. Because back in those days, you may recall, those little pop tops were loud. You had to pull them. I remember you had to pull them. They're sharp as hell. And you can hear, you can find it occasionally. I've heard audio out there, middle of an inning. You're like, my man. Uh, Soberhagen, as Harry would have him be known, receives $250,000 a year from the Mets. The Mets were forever getting bent over. From the Mets for 25 years. His payments also began in 2004. Just steady cutting checks for dudes who been out of baseball forever in a day. Max Scherzer will receive $105 million total from the Nationals that will be paid out through 2028. Okay, that's not so bad. Manny Ramirez collects $24.2 million total from the Red Sox all the way through 2026. Ken Griffey Jr. will receive $3.59 million from the Reds every year through 2024. And the deferral from his nine-year $116 million deal signed in 2000. Todd Helton, of all people, $1.3 million from the Rockies every year through 2023. Good deal. I like it. Because baseball's salary structure has young players start their careers by earning about half of Benia's annual $1.19 million. notable players who are making less than Bobby Benia this season read as follows. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is making $605,000 this year. Brian Reynolds of the Pirates, who's having a truly very good season, very good season. Rarely seen in Pittsburgh. Uh, 601000 as well. John Means, Bo Bichette, Cedric Mullins, Trevor Rogers, Adolis Garcia, all making less than 600000 this year. Casey Mize making less than $574,000 this year. Bobby Bonilla's like, what's up, boys? Need me to spot you some coin? I got the dinner. I got the dinner tonight, guys. Don't worry about it. And speaking of the length of Bonilla's contract, he'll be paid the year after Fernando Tatis's mega contract expires for the Padres. Wow, still getting paid. It's it's something. It's crazy. Deferred payments and how much they ended up paying him. I, I the article doesn't do a great job of explaining why the hell they're paying Bobby Bonilla one point one. You know, basically. One million one hundred ninety-three thousand dollars for twenty-five years, where they could have just paid him five point nine million at the time. I, it's, uh, there's somebody out there who understands the finances so much better than me, and I, I, I cop to that. I understand they just didn't have it. What they thought was a percentage that they were going to get from the Madoff deal, and that he gets a certain percentage, and then when, I, I, I don't know. That's way too much money to be paying somebody when you only owe this much. Sell, sell something. What are, we, what are we doing? You don't have, that's crazy person talk. 
But happy Bobby Bonilla Day. And since we're taking tomorrow off and Monday's a holiday for all of us, we really wanted to celebrate this moment together. So I waited till we got into the what is a Libations Thursday edition of the show, 5 o'clock hour. Happy Bobby Bonilla Day, everybody. Come back, wrap it up momentarily. Day baseball abounds, but plenty tonight as well. Ah, the Yankees choking it again yesterday. All righty. Way to go, Yanks. Sorry, asses. It's wonderful to watch them fall on their faces every night. Seven runs in the ninth. Woo-hoo-hoo. That will hurt your feelings. You just hate to see it against Chad. You just hate, you hate it. You just hate it. Such a good guy. Such an upstanding guy. Couple things here. Uh, back last segment, we were talking about Bobby Bonilla Day. Again, I want to reiterate something that was once used as a promo on this very show, but I, I, I think it bears repeating. No, no, we ain't doing no direct deposit on Jeff Cameron Day. No, no, I don't want it directly deposited. I want to physically have to go get the check. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to do it pantless. I'm going to walk down the driveway. Whistling <laughs> on my way, my neighbors are thinking, "Damn it, it's Jeff Cameron Day again!" Look at him out there, not a care in the world. Would you, Steve? Would you have a care in the world? You know why he's whistling? I know. Everybody pretty much usually has an idea of exactly when their mail comes, uh, with give or take ten to fifteen minutes, because it does vary a little bit. The build-up to that. My mail comes in the evenings, unfortunately. I tend to get my mail around 4 or 5 o'clock in the evenings. Uh, and so, you know, having to wait all... I don't know, maybe it would be a celebration. Maybe you'd start with mimosas, have a big meal, seafood, Alaskan King crab leg, party out back, everybody's hanging out. It's the dead of summer. Big coolers full of beer. Got the music blaring. Come on in, it's Jeff Cameron Day! All right, all right. Oh, oh, it's 3.30, guys. Somebody remind me in about 30 minutes to start checking that mailbox. Maybe we'll all shimmy out there together. <laughs> Pick up that check, $1.19 million. Woo! What a day at the office that is. You hold it on high, just wave it into the air. You got to give the mailman like a cut, and it's got to be a production. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He gets out, does a dance. You meet him. You're slapping fives, bumping elbows, spinning, turning, chest bumping afterwards. Flash mob starts out in the street. Everybody starts dancing on a hill. I saw one the other day that cracked me up. Bravo. Normally, I hate flash mobs because I associate them with stupid Broadway musicals. And I don't mean stupid Broadway musicals. I mean 
musicals that are brought to film. Again, I get Broadway. I get plays, love them. Can even handle musicals if I'm there in attendance in the theater. Watching it in a movie, can't do it. Can't do it, never could. I've lamented this and uh, railed against it for years. I just, we're in the middle of a conversation and somebody jumps up on the table, starts singing, get the hell out of here with that. I can't do it. So uh, I saw a flash mob or whatever it would be considered the other day and it got me. It was fantastic. It, it, it made the way on the Instagram, if you will. So there's, by the way, two things to point out. So first of all, it's this hill. It's literally a hill. It's just this big hill. It'd be like if you were at Cascades Park and you were just, uh, you've seen that hill that goes down towards the amphitheater. But there's no, in the shot, in the camera shot, whoever is in the shot, they're at the bottom of the hill facing up to the top. And there are people on blankets. They're having picnics. It's nice. It's nice. Looks like it's a bit of a festival. Like maybe there's some arts and crafts and things like that, food trucks and the like. And this guy, this very flamboyant guy, is dancing. He, he's coming down the hill. And he is, I mean, he is uh, into it. And he is twirling and very flamboyant. And it's funny, okay? So it starts with that. Like, this guy's just happy to be outdoors. And you kind of get the sense, like, oh, this is post-pandemic. It's People are outside. This guy's just pumped, and he's going to... He's going to be free to do what he wants to do. So he starts dancing, and there's a guy laying with his girlfriend on a on a blanket, and they're eating, and uh, he kind of glances back over and smiles. And I'm like, well, good. Nobody's bothering this guy. Let him dance. Let him do his thing, man. There's nothing wrong with that. Good for him. But then the dude on the blanket hops up and in unison is doing the same dance. So they're like, it's choreographed. And I thought, oh, that's clever. Look at you two. Oh, yeah, that's good. He's in on it. And then, like, three or four other people on the blankets, they stand up and join right in. And now we got five or six people dancing flamboyantly on this hill, and then it's all choreographed. But then, Matthew, behind them, like the 30 people that have been watching all of this, they all instantly jump up and start doing it. And the whole hill is alive, and they're dancing and twirling and spinning, and it's fantastic, and they got me. And with each passing member of the dance party that stood up and began to join, I smiled more and chuckled a little bit more and went, damn it, that's awesome. Good for you guys. First one I've seen in a long time where I was like, oh, that's fantastic. That is well done. Did you find it? Yes, for those interested, it's... um. What's it called? I had no idea. It was organized by Bob's Dance Shop. So I'm assuming the guy in the front is named Bob. Bob. But I don't see any um, particular reason for it. It's just great. They're just famous for their uh, flash mob videos. Yeah. But it's a large group, right? It's it's exactly as I kind of described there. It's fantastic. You don't suspect the one dude who just hops up and joins them. You're like, oh, that's well done. So I saw that, and then... This is how people go down rabbit holes and you never end up getting anything done, nothing productive. You just end up, it's just, this is the secret to something like TikTok or any of these things, these reels or any of these things. But this one got me. Man, there's always one a month that gets you, you get all choked up. You can't watch it by yourself. It's either somebody, like those Dodo ones where they're saving the damn dogs and stuff. Oh, my God. The Dodo, every day. Oh, my God. It's beautiful. Isn't it beautiful? They're forever saving these. Who are these a-holes in the world dumping these dogs in canals and forests and chain? It's just unbelievable. Okay. So that one gets me. You get angry, then you're happy for the dog. And what's amazing is you see the, the appreciation. 
Like it's amazing. The dogs are just like, oh, well, well, thanks. I thought I was going to die. <laughs> it's unreal. So there's that. Saw one. Have you seen the guy that drives the um, gentleman with cerebral palsy in the Lamborghini? <gasps> oh, buddy. You got to be by yourself. So real quick, there's a guy. Uh, he's in shape. He looks, uh, I mean, good looking guy. I'll say it. You know, he's a, he looks like a, maybe a model of sorts, whatever. Um, he's driving a Lamborghini and he looks angry at first. When I looked at this thing, I'm like, why is this guy angry next to him in the passenger seat is a man that I found out later on. I knew something. I knew he had a melody, but I couldn't tell what it was at first. Um, but he's got, he's got cerebral palsy. And I think they're French. I think this is a European YouTuber, like the guy that's the the, the driver. I think it's a European YouTuber. I think he's popular. I, I I don't I don't keep up with YouTubers, but uh, I mean I know they're all out there, right? And they're, they're doing their thing, making a lot of money. So this kid apparently had always wanted to be in a Lamborghini, and so he gets him in the Lamborghini and he starts to go and he revs the engine. And the kid gets so excited. I say the kid; he's a young man. Gets so excited, and he's he's like he's literally like a little kid. He's like, and he starts like making noises and stuff and getting excited. And then the guy hits what I assume is a akin to a turbo or whatever it is, and they gun it. And he gets really excited, and he can't believe it. It's like a thrill of a lifetime that he's in this Lamborghini hauling ass. Come to find out. The reason the driver looks stern is he's trying to keep from crying because he sees the joy in this person's heart that he's helping provide by allowing him to be in the Lamborghini. The other reason he's trying to keep from crying is that while the, the, the young man with cerebral palsy is having so much fun, is enthralled by this ride in the Lamborghini, he, he realizes he's making sounds and stuff that I guess in the past has alienated other people. And he says to the driver, please don't be afraid of me or annoyed by me or whatever he says, something along those lines. Um, I'm- yeah, I was watching it over here oh. with subtitles, and I got to the point where he says, where people, he says people avoid me. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, that's it, yeah. He says most people tend to hang out with people that are like them, and they won't hang out with me. Please don't be afraid of me. I make sounds like this when I get excited. I sound like a child. I can't help it. You're like, Ugh. so the driver's awesome because he's just looking away, trying to keep it together. But he's he's fight fighting back tears because he's giving this kid a thrill of a lifetime. Just awesome. It's heartwarming. It's good. But you watch it, you're like, oh man, you got me. I didn't know that was coming. I thought this was just a whatever. I thought a guy had a Lamborghini. I click on it. I'm watching him. See this guy all ass. And all of a sudden, I see this guy apologizing for being who he is and being excited. I see the driver fighting back tears. I'm like, oh, you bastards. I fell into this one. But it's a wholesome one. It's a good one. Probables. Here we go. Let's fire it up. It's time for how you say with the pitching uh, probables. Yeah, it's perfect day for this. Perfect day for this song. Yeah, nailed it. You know, what's funny is um, I I think early on, one of the first things I found out about you, Director Matthew, is that you're a huge Frank Sinatra fan. Yes, very much so. I know you are, yeah. And for good reason. There's a lot to like about Frank, not only musically, not only the voice, but also 
well ahead of his time in terms of standing up for people and really being a staunch supporter of civil rights and willing to put himself out there. And, yeah, he was awesome in that way. Uh, we got Marlins Phillies. Correctly predicted last night's debacle for you. We knew that was coming. Pablo Lopez going to go for the Marlins. The Phillies will throw Zach Eflin. You seem less than thrilled. Thrilled. Dodgers Nationals, Tony Gonsolin, Patrick Corbin. We've got uh, the Brewers and the Pirates. Corbin Burns against Will Crow. Will Crow sucks. I hate that we keep rolling him out there. Astros, Indians, Fomber Valdez. J.C. Mejia. Padres, Reds, Ryan Weathers, Luis Castillo. We got the Mets and the Braves. That would be Jacob deGrom. I take it to beer. Jacob deGrom is better than any pitcher you have. And that's all of you listening to me who are not fans of the Mets. Jacob deGrom is better than anybody you have. It's unreal. Here's a little 069 ERA for that ass. What? What are we doing here? Ian Anderson going to pitch for the Braves. Good luck, Ian. Cards, Rockies, Adam Wainwright will never die. God almighty, this guy. Still more than serviceable. Unreal. Antonio Cincinnati going to go for the Rockies, who beat up on my Pirates. Jesus. And I don't know how the Cardinals keep getting these pitchers because they had Chris Carpenter go for oh, 45 years or insane. whatever he threw for. It pisses me off. Like, Adam Wainwright looked dead in the water three years ago. He's found another gear. He's still good. He's like, he's effective as hell. It's ridiculous. He's throwing 80. Giants, D-backs, Johnny Cueto, Merrill Kelly. Angels, Yankees, side of a ugly ass defeat last night for the Yankees. <laughs> that game may be delayed. They got weather problems. Griffin Canning, straight from the country club. Jordan Montgomery, his adversary. We'll see. So look at those that shall reside on the bump. Yeah, you don't have to start another song. It's all right. Hit it right at the end of Frank. I did. Right after Frank was saying, have a good day. I picture it is so funny. Some songs do it. Some songs don't. A lot of songs put you in a place or a time, a period of your life, something you remember, maybe even a person. Summer Wind, that song only makes me think of one thing, and that is sort of a drone shot flying over, uh, what, what are they calling it now? It's not Pac Bell anymore. What do they put? Where do the Giants play? What's the name of that park now? AT&T Park, whatever it is. Yeah. So I picture them coming in over the water and that right field uh, bleacher section. Uh, I, I see us coming towards that stadium slowly like in a drone while I listen to Frank. It's crazy. It just makes me think of San Francisco, oddly. Very specific sort of etched-in memory there, but but it, but it exists. Hey, enjoy the uh, 4th of July weekend, everybody. We're going to uh, have Monday off, and I'm going to begin the celebration tomorrow. Good work out of you, Matthew, as always. Uh, be good. Be safe. Don't blow your fingers off, people. No blowing your fingers off. I say every year, I'm not going to buy fireworks on the side of the road from some dude who looks like a serial killer and then i do then i do and if you're in a neighborhood yeah, let's be let's be mindful of the dogs yeah, and the veterans people don't care and, man people don't care it's awful yeah no it's 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 a weird deal like i'm fine with you firing off fireworks traditionally i get it you know eight nine o'clock whatever gets dark you start doing it it's the people at one in the morning firing off. get it together
Get it together. You don't need me to preach to you. You guys know that. All right. Have a great long weekend. We'll talk to you on Tuesday.